Ephesians chapter 5. We're continuing our series, Ecstatically Married. Next week we'll take a break from our series. We'll have our our birthday celebration. I'll have a, a special sermon just for that. But as we're continuing through our series, remember we've gone we've gone very specific. We started, what is a man? What is a woman? What is marriage? What is headship? What is today submission? And we've continued to be detailed in looking at these things. We said that it's the will of God that Christians shouldn't just be happily married. We should be ecstatically married. Marriage was God's idea. Christians should have the best marriages. A good Christian marriage shouldn't look like, yeah, it's kind of like a good worldly marriage. I mean, folks are just doing their best to make the most of it. But we've all tasted and seen that. Some of you are going, maybe we're not there right now. Hey, I know that. I live in the real world just like you do. But we're still pursuing God's ideals and God's best. How will we ever arrive if we don't deliberately pursue them in a specific way? Unfortunately, the spirit of the age has been working very deliberately against marriage, very deliberately against men, and very deliberately against women. So one of our values as a church is we fight where the fight is. That means I'm not just going to preach on things that make us all comfortable all the time. We're going to preach the full counsel of the Word of God, and specifically, we're going to be honest about the lies that are most oppressive to us. So the things that I know about in our culture, if we lived in a different time period, we, wouldn't, we probably wouldn't have done this sermon series. 200 years ago in this church, I wouldn't have preached this series at all. It would have been like Pastor Obvious, thanks a lot. We already knew that. We're already living according to these things. But since we've lost a lot of it, and since our minds are not renewed concerning these things, since we've got a lot of lies and unrenewed minds, we want to pursue these things very specifically and very deliberately. So as we talk about submission today, I want to remind all the ladies, if it feels like this is all about you, it's because it is. Um, Just like last week when we talked about headship, if it felt like, dude, you're coming at me, Pastor. I was, bro. You knew that. And, And we all want to grow in the things God has called us to. This is a loving thing. This is a good thing. Last week, I told the men, you only got good news. This week, ladies, you're only going to get good news. Well, is it going to feel like crucifixion to the flesh? Well, yes, it is. Welcome to Christianity. And at the same time, it's only good news. So I'm I'm getting ready to preach the strongest and most clear sermon that I've ever heard preached on the subject. And that's not saying much, (laughs) to be honest with you. Uh, But that's not putting you on blast. Nobody has to be nervous or, or, or waiting back. What you're about to hear, though, is I am going to get into some specific examples. I'm going to give some really granular things. And be like, oh, we're going to talk about the socks beside the hamper. And we're going to talk about, like, I want this room painted a different color. Well, do you have a scripture for that? No, and I'm going to keep making that point to you that what we're doing is we're looking at what the scripture says in all of the passages that emphasize submission and respect And we're going to go, obviously, that's got to look like something. Obviously, that needs to be enfleshed. Obviously, that needs to be embodied. So I'm going to get really practical because I've never heard that done. Sermons I've heard preached on submission whenever I was even looking and preparing for this message. It was submit to your husband. And it was even even sometimes I could hear it be said with boldness. But I'm going, brother, teach him how. Go farther, Pat. Like, help. Because they don't know. So now they're still going to go home and she's going to go, I am submitting. And he's going to, no, you're not. And they're going to, yes, I am. We we didn't actually bring clarity to the spirit of the thing. Submission is a heart issue. Are are there some practical ways to flesh it out? Are some ways better than others? Absolutely. And yet, it's very much a heart issue. So the person, the man or woman, the woman to her husband or the husband to Christ or to a boss or to another man or to some supervisory role, submission is always a heart issue. Well, what do you want me to do? Well, that's just revealed that, that the spirit of this thing is wrong. Right? Oh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't do it all. Perfect, boss man. Well, the attitude is the issue here. You know, we see this in our children, right? We all, we all can recognize it there. So in the same way, wives, you're getting good news today. You're being loved well. But we're not, even though we're going to get specific on some details. Oh, no, I don't have boxer going. Thank you. Even though we're going to get specific in some details, the main thing Let me pull up Voxer here for us so we have it for anybody who's not with us. There we go. The main thing is the heart thing. That, of course, is our priority and everything. So here we are in Ephesians chapter 5. What I'm not going to do today is I'm not going to to answer a lot of objections. I've done a lot of that through the series, so go back and listen. I've answered, hey, what about verse 21? He just skipped past verse 21. I do the full unpacking of explaining context for you. Um, Genesis 3.16. And another thing is remember, we've got the text line. 
So I told y'all we've got the anonymous text line. I know this sermon series has probably brought up a lot of questions. I told you, hit me with them. I want your questions. I want your objections. And when we're all done with this series, Natalie and I, we're going to do a Q&A together where we talk through, where I answer questions very directly, all the sticky stuff, all the things you're like, wait, you said this, wait, what about this? Here's a difficult scenario. We're not dodging or sidestepping anything. The Lord has clarity and wisdom for all, all, and all of his ways are perfect, so we can walk right into it with clarity, with love, with gentleness, with boldness, so that we enjoy God's best. Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of his wife, is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the Christ, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. What submission is? This word submission here being used in this context, it was a military term, and it meant to place yourself under authority. You're arranging yourself, voluntarily arranging yourself under authority. So this is not a forced thing. This is the importance of teaching Christian wives submission because this cannot be enforced. Ultimately, a wife is choosing this thing. In the same way that the Lord Jesus Christ chose to submit himself to the Father, it was not forced upon him, but he joyfully and humbly put himself, arranged himself under the authority of the Father. This is what submission means. Submission is not a four-letter word. Submission means willingly, not stubbornly, placing yourself under authority. Now, I will do a quick disclaimer. I'm not going to do a a sermon full of them, but I will do a quick one. Uh, uh, Submission is about order. It is not about value. Husbands and wives, and I've said this multiple times through this series, but I'm saying it again. This has nothing to do with value and worth. A husband and wife have equal value and worth. Period, the end. I could say it a million times. A husband and wife have equal value. One is not more important. One is not worth more. That's, not, that's, the, that's the case in all human interactions. But we still understand how to honor that police officer when he pulls us over, don't we? We find ourselves being very respectful suddenly. Do you think he's worth more as a human being before God? That thought has never crossed your mind. And yet you very much honor his office and his position um, and, his, and the authority that the Lord has given to him. So submission is about order. It's not about value. A husband and wife are equal in value, equal in worth. No one has ever made this argument about children to parents. They've never made the argument. You think your children are worthless? Nobody says that. And yet when it comes to the conversation of uh, husbands and wives, this can be a knee-jerk reaction to go, what are you trying to say about women? What are you trying to say about children? Mm. Like, are children worth less? No, we, we, lay, we would lay down our lives for our children. So what does that say about them? Well, in the same way, a husband will lay down his life for his wife. So what does that say about her value and her worth? If one human needs to die, it's this one. <laughs> it's the head. So is he worth more? Well, it's, it's the roles. It's the right thing at the right time. As we said, a man is a protector, a provider, and a leader. So he joyfully says, I, I'm dying. This is, my, this is my duty. And I do it joyfully, not, oh man, what am I worthless? No, it's the right thing at the right time. It's God's perfect design. So just like children and parents are equal in value and in worth, just like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are equal in value and worth, and still there is headship and submission in the Trinity. Christ submits to the Father, but he is not less than the Father in value, but he takes his place in the order of the Trinity and chooses to obey the will of the Father. Only a people twisted by sin believe that authority cannot be loving. I didn't come up with that line. It's from non-tenant. Only a people twisted by sin believe and make this argument that authority cannot be loving. But we even defined authority for men when we talked about leadership, remember? We said authority is the power. The power to what? The power to do what is best. The power to do what you believe is the right thing according to the will of God. So our authority as husbands, our headship as husbands, remember, is not a tool to stroke our own ego. It is a tool with which we fulfill the will of God in our households and in our lives. So submission is a gift to a wife. As a wife surrenders and submits, she is unburdened and she is freed to fulfill her purpose to help her husband, to bring life, to beautify, and to glorify. This is to bring utter relief to wives. Rather than a wife who is grasping for power, rather than a wife who is looking for control, she gets to come to the place of rest. A wife who has lived in a place of control and grasping, this is an exhausting thing. This is a burdensome thing that many wives live in chronically and don't recognize it. 
Anybody who's ever had a chronic health issue and you, and you make the change, you, you get the right thing, you go, oh, it was that? I didn't even know I was sick. I've talked to loved ones and like, man, I had this thing done. I didn't even know I felt sick. It was the only thing I ever knew. Had a loved one who had blockages in his neck and it had been decades he had been living with that way. He got the surgery and goes, I didn't know I was supposed to feel this good. I'm convinced that many women have no idea how good and beautiful it feels to feel feminine and surrendered to their husbands in a godly, Christ-like way. They don't even know. Like, they don't know that they've got this low-grade fever until they suddenly feel better and go, what a relief. What a joy. What a blessing to actually have a covering, to have a head. Who My husband is the greenhouse who, who takes the brunt of the pressures of life, and I can help him and actually be his, his submitted helper in the mission of God together, as we glorify the Lord together. So a husband is unburdened when she submits, and she is free to fulfill her purpose, to help her husband, to bring life, to beautify, and to glorify, which we said again are the purposes of woman. Man has purpose, woman has purpose. A woman is a life giver, she's a beautifier, she's a glorifier. But a wife does have a temptation to control things. This comes from the fall. So when the Lord is, is giving punishments to Adam and Eve, one of them that she, he gives to Eve is he says, your desire will be for your husband. We're not gonna, I'm not going to teach it out right now. But we do know through the full context of Scripture that that desire, um, it's used a few chapters later by Moses in Genesis when he's telling about Cain and Abel. And the Lord tells Cain, sin has it, its desire for you. So this is not a wholesome desire. It's not, I love my husband. It's sin was desiring to destroy Cain. And the Lord said, but you must rule over it. It's the same thing that he was saying to Eve. Hey, um, you will have a sinful desire for control over your husband, but he will, in the good way, lead and rule over you, apart from his own sinful temptations that he also has to crucify now because of the fall. But a wife's, a wife's temptation to control brings only temporary satisfaction. Like with all sin, she's left feeling empty and in worse shape than before. It's only in submission where her pressures relieve. So submission and vulnerability, I'm still defining submission for you. Submission and vulnerability go hand in hand. A submitted person is a vulnerable person and a surrendered person. I've told you this before, whenever we look at the Old Testament, you see people come into the presence of the king. Oh, king, live forever. What is that? That's language of submission. That's language of honor. And they say, if it pleases the king. Not, hey, we ought to. That's not the tone. Why? Well, because that language isn't submitted at all. Hey, if it pleases the king, I considered something and I wanted to submit it to you. I'm not a mindless robot who never speaks until spoken to. I have thoughts. I have ideas. I'm here to serve and accomplish the mission of the king. If it pleases the king, let a law be written to do this. If it pleases the king, let us do that. If it pleases the king, but it's a total deference. Why? Well, because it's actual submission. I've actually yielded up the outcome to him. I have given up the outcome. I haven't accomplished the outcome. Hey, you know what we ought to do, king? We ought to do this. What do you think? What have I done? I've tried to steer towards the outcome. Why? Because I don't want the vulnerability. Why? Because I've decided that much that I want the outcome. I'm already trying to steer him towards it. It's my clever, hey, hey, this would be a good idea. Don't you agree? Rather than if it pleases the king. So what is this? Why are we getting so specific on the language? Well, remember, I told you, I'll be specific, but the heart is a, a submitted vulnerability. The heart is, I've yielded the outcome. I am surrendered to the possibilities of what comes next. Man, that doesn't feel super awesome. Well, it feels like submission. Yeah. That's what true submission actually is, rather than how can I steer this person against their will. So this is showing the maximum amount of respect and the maximum amount of honor possible. Turn in uh, your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're not going to go to all the passages because um, there, there's, there's at least three others I can think of where uh, explicit verses are given to wives to submit. Why, why should this be a priority for wives? Because it is an explicit command in the New Testament. This isn't something that a wife should like revisit every decade and be like, oh yeah, that's a thing. This is like New Testament-like it's, got, it's glowing red hot. It's, it's, this is a bullseye target. Just like it, for husbands, what's the bullseye target? Huh, as a husband, I think I ought to this. I think, it's not a million things that you've got to think about, brother. It's love your wife. Love your wife. That's, it, that's the white hot center that we're to focus on. A wife, you don't have to wonder, what, what's a wife really supposed to do? You know, who could really know? It's pretty explicit. 
Submit, submit, submit. Respect, submit. Huh, I wonder what he means by that. Huh, who could guess? 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. Likewise, so that likewise is in connection to something previously said, right? So what was the thing that was previously said? Well, the thing that was previously said is Christ's submission to the will of God. So I don't want to submit to my husband. Well, then you're better than Jesus. You're higher than him, and somehow you outrank him. He didn't, he didn't think it was a bad thing. But Jesus submits to the will of the Father. In verse 22, it says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. I'm in chapter 2. I jump back on you. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Likewise, wives. So the one who submitted himself before the father. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Why would I do that? So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Why would I want to do that? Which is very precious in God's sight. This is precious to God. Why? Because it reminds him of his son. It shows him exactly what Jesus did before him. What, am I just supposed to have a gentle and quiet spirit? Exactly. Now you've got it. That's exactly what the Bible says. Why? Because it's very precious in God's sight. A wife who wants to do things that are very precious in the sight of God will, will, will attempt to cultivate this gentle and quiet spirit. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do what is good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And of course, that's the temptation. That's the difficulty. Yeah. This, is, this can be frightening. And a loving husband wants to alleviate those fears. Well, what if he doesn't? Well, he can be one without a word. So we're not, we're not making any, either of these commands contingent upon the other. It's not husbands love your wives if. It's husbands love your wives, period. It's not wives submit to your husbands if. It's husbands love your wives. You know what I was doing. I don't know where I left it. I don't, you, know, you know the thing, as was famously said. You know the thing. So like I said, we're going to get very specific but this is the heart of submission, not just the external act. Tell me what I have to do and I'll do the absolute minimums of it all. Well, then you've missed the spirit of it all. It's a gentle and quiet spirit, which is pleasing to the Lord. And then that will find its way. Like I said, if a man, when a man loves a woman, when a man loves a woman, he will find all kinds of expressions. He'll, he'll, he'll figure it out. When a wife is actually submitted, all the details will get sorted out. Because the heart of the thing is, is accurate. The heart of the thing is right. And if she's imperfect in her application, well, praise God, she's still submitted to her husband to hey, say, hey, I didn't like the way you did that. And she doesn't then step into defense and go, well, I was trying to... She can just defer and go, okay, how would you prefer me to do it? And now we can still move forward with lovingness, with gentleness. He's not harsh because he's commanded not to be. And, and she's not controlling. She's submitted. A gentle and quiet spirit is very precious in the sight of God. We are done with the first half page of our sermon, only eight to go. Good news. Now, I'm, I'm actually going to be doing a lot of reading. So, now, how, 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 how to submit to your husband. How to do what exactly? Remember, what is submission? How to order yourself under your husband's authority. How to help your husband. How to build up your household. How to glorify God with your gentle and quiet spirit. First thing I recommend Ask him what would be submissive to him. What does he prefer? This kills two birds with one stone. You, can you see that? Why? Because you're being submissive by asking right away. And, of course, you're also finding out what he considers submissive and respectful. Ugh, that feels a little bit submissive. I know. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. As a husband, you might you know, hear this suggestion and think, I, I don't even know if I'm comfortable with that. Then I would say re-listen to this entire series 
and continue, continue to renew your mind with the word of God so that you don't fall prey to the lie that your authority is given to you to stroke your ego. Yeah. That is not the mission that we're after here. The mission that we're after is the will of God being fulfilled in a household and a marriage to glorify the Lord and to show the world what Christ and the church really looks like. So I can get my way and get whatever I want. Brother, your authority is power, yes. So technically, it's a two-edged sword. It cuts a bad way, too. You could empty the savings account for a boat for a bass boat. You could. You have the power to do so. But you also have a head. And your power was not given to fulfill your every desire. Your power was given to fulfill the Lord's desires. Well, who, who makes the final call? Well, you do. You do. You make those decisions. But a loving husband is cherishing and honoring and blessing his wife. A loving father is cherishing and honoring and blessing his children. So, of course, he's laying down his life in that process. There's a, a, a famous book called uh, Leaders Eat Last. And in the book, they, they make the argument how the, the military leadership, I forget which branch it was. I think, I, I thought, yeah, Marine Corps. You would know, wouldn't you? <laughs> so, um, the, the leaders would eat last. But the title of the book, interestingly enough, is it's not Leaders Don't Eat. So husbands, you, you know, you're included in, in loving yourself well, and yet we know that we're, we're putting everybody else first to accomplish the will of God. So this isn't about your ego, so you don't have to shy away from this. This isn't in service to your pride. This is beautiful to God. This is Christ-like behavior for your wife. It's a comfort to her, and it actually helps you to accomplish the purposes of God for your life quite well. Go to uh, Titus chapter 2. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep getting specific. Titus chapter 2. Turn to your left if you were there and Peter. Right after 2 Timothy. Titus chapter 2 verses 3 through 5. What are women supposed to do according to the New Testament? Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the younger women. So what are older women supposed to train younger women to do? To love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, to be pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, so that the word of God may not be reviled. So even a wife's submission has impact on how people see and recognize the word of God and the beauty of the kingdom. This is, this is another priority that we were given in Ephesians. We were shown that we're supposed to show the world Christ in the church. So there's a lot that can be accomplished here. What else, what else does it look like? I'm going to keep going, zoom, zooming in on some details now. How, how can I submit to my husband? You can help him in his mission. All the way back to the garden, that was our first purpose. We talked about what was a, a woman made for. We couldn't, we couldn't and we wouldn't want to sidestep. Eve was made for Adam. A wife was made for her husband. So sub Mission, sub, like submarine, underneath, submission, under, mission. I want to get under my husband's mission is what the godly wife would say. And this is the primary application of submission in Scripture, by the way. Getting under the mission of your husband, this is the primary application in Scripture. The primary application of submission in American pulpits is almost always the negative, ladies, here's how to act when you can't get your way. But that's not the biblical approach to submission. The biblical message of submission is, hey, girls, sorry, but he gets to be the boss. That's not what the scripture reveals. The scripture reveals, ladies, hey, give yourself to your husband's mission and everybody wins. Live happily ever after. That's the scriptural approach. The very modern in the past hundred year message has been, girls, I got some bad news. I'm real sorry. Please don't shoot the messenger. He's in charge. I know it stinks. That's not the message of Scripture at all. The message of Scripture is glorify God as a wife. You glorify God as a husband. We're not gender-neutral humans who are just figuring this thing out. We have particular roles, and it means something, and it's glorious. Because God loves mountains, and he loves valleys. He loves deserts, and he loves oceans. And he created masculine and feminine polarity, and he called it all good. It's not a result of the fall. Headship and submission didn't come after the fall. Eve's temptation to grasp for control came as a result of the fall. Hey, you've got a loving head who who named you and who blesses you and provides for you. Because you disobeyed his word and you ate the fruit, now you're going to have the temptation to rise up against the loving headship that I placed over you. That was the punishment to Eve. Ladies, this is going to be a fight continually for you. This is a challenge in flesh that must be crucified, much like a husband has to crucify his harshness. 
Do not be harsh with your wives, the scripture tells us. Be gentle, nurturing, nourishing, caring for them, even as you would your own body. That's the temptation. Have I arrived? No. It's the journey that I will continue to live into to humble myself before the Lord. Humble yourself and submit under your husband's mission. So submission is not only disagreement. It is incorrectly taught that a husband's headship is just the tiebreaker vote for, for decisions. Because this forgets that a wife is, is, is not her husband's um, competitor, but she is his crown, according to the word of God. She adds to him and she glorifies him. She doesn't seek to compete with him. No king wants to fight battles against his crown. So be his helper in his mission. What does that look like practically? Well, you defer to his direction for the big story of your lives. His plans are your plans. His gifts are yours to support. His weaknesses are yours to assist, but not to mother. What else would you do to help him in his mission? Well, again, according to Titus as a keeper at home, you're making the home a beautiful, safe haven from the outside pressures of life. Are you a great cook? Then you use that talent to make his favorite meals and snacks without him asking. Are you a people person? You could accompany him to social gatherings or host get-togethers of the people that he loves and likes, uh, his friends, his family, his co-workers over. Whatever your gifts are, there is a way to use those to magnify your husband and to help him be more of what God has called him to be, and you get to constantly be the beneficiary of it all. Yes. What else can I do to honor my husband, to submit to my husband? You honor his word as final. This means the husband has authority for decisions because he bears responsibility for the outcomes. Why does he get to be in charge? Well, anybody who asks that question reveals they don't know what being in charge means, and they're, they're forgetting the, the leg of responsibility. He bears the burden. Let him. Mm-hmm. Let him feel the weight of his decisions. Let him feel the pressure. Yeah. Don't make him feel like he had to go to war with you for six months on this decision until finally you go, fine, and you wait for the thing to fail. Rather, you go, I, may I share my concerns? May I share something? He goes, of course. I love my wife. I care for my wife. I want to answer whatever she may have. She's wise. She's godly. She's good. I want her perspective. What kind of idiot captain would you have to be to not want a great, brilliant first officer? You'd have to be quite prideful, quite foolish. It happens, but the Lord doesn't approve of it. So what else can I do? Honor his word is final. He bears the responsibility for for final outcomes. Let him feel that weight. And be at peace knowing that God is still on his throne and you as a wife can always trust the good shepherd no matter what. So that comes to the children. That comes to everything. When it's with the kids, it's what did dad say? You support and affirm his decisions. You defer to him and you put decisions on him. I'm supposed to put that weight on him? It's already on him. It's his responsibility ultimately. So the more you defer to him, the more he actually feels the burden of command. Which ladies, by the way, that's what you want. You want your husband to feel the burden of command. You want him to feel the weight of what did dad say? And he's like, I've got to think about this. I've got to do this. Yeah. Well, I wish my husband would get more involved. Then stop being the husband. Stop being a husband, and then there, it, will, it will create the vacuum. Unfortunately, he went first, and he very likely created a vacuum of leadership. I've been there. Ask me how I know. Man, you seem like you're quite, uh, quite knowledgeable on the subject. Yeah, I was the master at doing it all wrong. Thankfully, through repentance and the word of God, we've, we've seen a lot of growth. But I first created the vacuum of leadership, and Natalie goes, oh, no. Nobody's leading. There's no head here. I guess I'll step in. And then I'm going, why are you nagging me? Why are you nagging me? She's like, well, I guess somebody had to be the man of the house. So she stepped into that role. She was trying to be helpful, but her fears were also part of that motivator. And then the friction begins. And now we're at war with one another, really, because the head wasn't just being the head that he was supposed to be. If he had led well, she most likely would have found an easy place to come in there and be submissive. But again, I don't want to make the argument that we're making these dependent upon one another. Although I do want to show you the beauty of when these are both working together. It is glorious. Yes. Glorious. Can I do it on my own? You absolutely can and should. And yet, when they're working together, that's when we come to ecstatically married. Amen. It is beautiful and it is good. And all of God's ways are perfect. So many wives have grown accustomed to making all decisions. Then after doing this for years, they find they've exhausted themselves. They have a passive husband that they're a little bit disgusted by. And then they, what they should do is they actually should make him feel the weight of his words again. 
run with his plans, and then execute on them. And then he's going, whoa, she's like taking me seriously. She's like doing what I say. He begins to feel that weight again. That's a healthy thing. That's a good thing. And even if you start doing this, and he goes, you're just doing what Pastor Michael said. You say, yes, sir, <laughs> absolutely, I am. This isn't a trick. It's not a play. It's not a game. It's not a way to uh, uh, manipulate. It's a way to be obedient. So when family or friends are making plans, you get used to saying, I'll ask my husband and get back with you. That's right. Why? Because the two have become one, and you no longer defer to your parents. You defer to your husband. When he's made a decision or given a direction, I'm glad my wife is cheering this morning. (laughs) When he's made a decision or given a direction from the little things to the big things, are the kids going to play soccer this spring? Are we going to get that new vehicle this year? You fully obey with real support and real help. Not, I'm so sick of this van. I'm so sick of this van. I'm so sick of this van. He loves you. He wants to provide nice things That's for you. Right. Do not shame him. Yes, come on. Do not shame him. That is a cancer in his bones. Don't do that. That's a cruelty to do to a husband who wants to provide, who wants to lead, who wants to give you nice things. But he's got to look at the whole thing. Well, he ain't looking at the whole thing. Well, continue to look in the mirror, sister, at your submission. Continue to look at how you can support and bless and honor. Well, he oughta. There's a million things he oughta, and there's a million things she oughta. Let's focus on the things that are given to us directly. So I'll ask my husband is the language you want to continually use. In honoring his word, you should also ask for his guidance. Make him feel the weight, again, of his leadership by letting him use his gift. He's good at solving problems. Move forward with his counsel and then come back and let him know the results. Don't ask him for counsel and then rebel against it. He's going, well, you asked for my input. She's like, yeah, but you're wrong. I don't think that's the right way. Go. Go actually execute on the thing that he said. Come back. Let him feel the weight of his decision. What's another thing that we can do as you, as you seek to submit to your husband? Ask for his permission. Ugh. Ugh. Ask for his per- permission? No way. I would only do that for my boss. No way. I would only do that for a police officer. No way. I would only do that for the judge. No way. I would only do that for another, a million other settings and a million other men in life. But my husband, what do you think I am? Don't you know I'm a powerful woman? Ask for his permission. Why? Because it is submissive communication. Is this one of those details? Yeah, this is one of those details, again, that I'm just trying to help you embody the heart of the thing. I'm giving you an example of what would it look like. I really want to embody it. Well, then here's a sample way to embody it. Because it is submissive communication. It's submitting on the front end and not just waiting for the back end to submit. I'm not waiting for future conflict and disagreement and go, all right, I submit. I don't know that you do, but thanks. Feels awesome. It's not the crown. So wives have been led to believe that they're to make their point, they're to fight for their truth, and then only yield when their husband will not. But this isn't biblical, and this isn't Christ-like submission. This is just being defeated. It's just being conquered. It's just running into a wall. And you go on, I can't proceed any farther. That's all that is. That's not a a deference. That's not a surrender. That's a, he's more stubborn than me. He wins. That's what we've been taught. And we've been told, praise God, sister. Well done. You You did it well. Pastors have congratulated you for that behavior. But the heart of it wasn't submissive. The heart of it was, may the best idea win. Well, the wise captain should certainly go with whatever's best and not what he, he thought of. But again, that, he has a head for that as well. So what does this look like to ask his permission? When making plans, hey, so-and-so is having a birthday party next Saturday. Can we go? Or may I take the kids? Instead of saying, hey, we're going to this birthday party next Saturday. And he might be an autopilot and be like, okay. He died a little bit inside. As a husband, I can tell you, every time, every time she's ever told me, hey, we're doing this next Saturday, something in me goes, ugh. (laughs) And every husband's like, amen. (laughs) And we didn't know it. We didn't recognize it. What was that? Well, that was both of us. That was my own passivity. I'm just sitting there going, okay. Didn't that kid have a birthday last year? Like, this kid has a birthday every year. Don't you like kids? Yeah, they're great. But like, do I have to go to this kid's birthday every time he has one? But she's going, hey, we're doing this. Hey, we're doing that. Hey, we're doing this. Hey, we're doing that. Instead of, hey, we've been invited to this. What do you think? That's right. What should we do? 
I feel respected now. I've been totally deferred to. She totally yielded the outcomes. Even though she's worried that Becky's going to be offended if we don't come. She's afraid. Well, Becky's not going to like this. I know that. But you're not living. You didn't marry Becky. You married your husband. So you defer to him. Hey, y'all coming Saturday? I don't know. I'll, I'll talk to John Michael and I'll get back with you. Now John Michael can be the bad guy. Hey, I can take it. <laughs> I can handle it. Let your husband be that, be that guy. You get to be relieved. Hey, Becky, we're not going to be able to make it. Or we're, we're not coming. Hey, John Michael has other plans for us. What should I tell Becky? Tell her John Michael has other plans. What are our plans? It doesn't matter. I might want us all to sit in the living room and just hang out and look at each other and talk. I don't owe the world an explanation for what we're doing. Well, I feel like Becky's going to want one. Well, I didn't marry Becky. I'm not married to Becky. And, well, well, her husband does this. And that's between her, Becky and her husband and the Lord. But you're deferring to me, not Becky's husband or Becky. Don't be afraid of anything that's frightening, sisters. That's, that's right. These things are frightening. These things aren't, are difficult. Husbands, don't be harsh. It's both and. Don't be afraid, sisters. And husbands, don't be harsh. It's all together. Well, what if he was? Obey the word, sister. What if she won't? Obey the word, brother. Wives often get mad when their husbands Wives often get mad at their husbands when they tell them about plans and their husband forgets. But it's not submissive to tell your husband about plans. And the reason he probably forgot is because he didn't ever decide anything. It just happened upon him. He's in the middle of doing something. He said, Hey, we're doing this thing. And you probably did that on purpose because you knew you could get a passive answer from him. Because you're clever, but not submitted. So you're going, hey, we're doing this next Saturday. He's going, okay, like, okay, I'm doing something else. Wise play. We see our children do that against us, right? Hey, can I blah, blah, blah? And you're like, oh, yeah. And then later, like, you said, you said I could. You gave me your solemn vow. But that's not submissive. It's a bit clever, but it's not good. And it doesn't show a man respect. And it doesn't make a wife feel comforted. She's just constantly playing against him. That's not a crown. That feels like somebody who's in the kingdom is working against you rather than working with you and for you. So this stuff is difficult to catch for husbands, by the way. It requires a lot of effort for a husband to recognize and correct this behavior in his wife. And no man wants to be in conflict with his wife. No man wants to be in conflict with his crown. So couples usually start down these paths and stay in them for their entire marriage. This is like standard operating procedure for almost all marriages. So if you're like, oh my goodness, this is us, y'all, this is like everybody. This, is, this unfortunately is like really common, normal stuff. How do we get out of it? Well, this is what we're hearing. Using permissive language, like may I. Use may I and show respect. That feels like such a submissive thing to say because you're actually clearly arranging yourself under him. This is the language we use with a boss. Hey, we've got thoughts, we've got ideas, we've got plans to bring help. And still we do it as a servant in obedience to their boss, or the scripture says a servant to their master. When I've had bosses, I was acting with a power that they had delegated to me. I reported directly to the CEO, and, and he had a lot of people, and I had a position of power. And still, within my role, I didn't come to him and say everything that I was doing. I would come to him and say, hey, here's what I intend to do. Here's what I'm thinking. If it pleases the boss, I'm looking at this. I had, I had ideas. That's why he hired me. That's why he picked me. That's why he liked me. He wanted what I had to offer, and yet he was still looking for me to honor his office and be respectful and make sure I understood that we were accomplishing the mission. I was still expected to do everything. Even though I was still to be myself, I was doing everything in service to my boss's mission. May I is a way to show respect, and it's a way to show, make a suggestion. Because the argument that comes with submission sometimes is, I guess I'll just shut, shut up and sit there. Who told you that? I've never heard anybody say that to a Christian woman. And if they would, I would rebuke them for that sin. So we can throw that nonsense out right away. Well, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to? That's the right question. The question is with, with submitted language. Hey, may I? Hey, honey, what do you think about? A true, true giving up of the outcome. A true giving up of the outcome. If you feel as though you're holding on to the outcome to, to make it be accomplished, you know you haven't arrived at a submitted heart yet. Whereas if you truly give up the outcome to someone else's hands, you're free. You're free. 
and now you know you've actually gotten there. The language, I'm giving you samples, but you don't have to obey the samples. You have to obey the word of God. So, don't, so don't, don't take any of these to some bizarre extremes and go, he said you got to say. The, the spirit of the thing is the word of God. Submission and respect, and it's a beautiful and good thing. So what's the wrong way? Don't you think we should paint the living room? No, I don't. <laughs> well, I do. This wall is dingy, and I'm tired of this color. And, and so begins your long journey, your siege against the castle of your husband's will for the coming months as you have set yourself up for frustration and potential nagging and disrespect as you attempt to wear him down. And you will wear him down. And eventually, the room might get painted by a frustrated man who feels emasculated and a wife who nagged him into it. This is not beautiful. This is not good. What am I supposed to do? Well, it's not submissive. It's not respectful. Why? Because it doesn't come from a gentle and quiet spirit. Why? Because it is directive in its nature. Don't you think we should do this? If he thought it, he would have done it. If he thought it, he would have made plans for it. If he, if he was prioritizing it, it would have already happened. It's a directive. If you are a lawyer in court, they would say you are leading the witness. You're trying to get them to say the thing you want them to say, rather than the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You want to steer the narrative. You want to direct it. It's not, a submitted, it's not a submitted thing. And that's exactly what you're trying to do to your husband. You're trying to lead him. You don't know if he'll do what you want. So rather than surrender the outcome to his will, you set yourself up in a position deliberately from the first moment to lead and then direct in case he doesn't see things your way. And many wives, again, have this, ha- have this as a deeply ingrained habit. So instead, what's a sample? What's an example? You could respectfully say, that wall has gotten really dingy. I've cleaned it as much as I can, but I can't get it any better than it is now. I'd love to make this room beautiful with a color I found called, ladies, give me some weird color. Recycled glass. Recycled glass. Agreeable beige. Agreeable beige. I'd love to repaint this wall. And then to finish it with, what do you think we should do? I want the room repainted, and you're allowed to want the room repainted. And you can even bring that to your husband with deference. Hey, I've cleaned this wall, but I can't get it any better. I'd love to beautify this room. I love this color. What do you think we should do? And now he actually can, now he has an option. He has the choice, the opportunity to actually actually give you a gift rather than having you extract something from him. Paint this room for me. Yes, ma'am. He didn't get to give anything. You robbed him of an opportunity to give you something. Honey, I would love this. What do you think? We can't do that right now because of the budget or because of this or because of that or it's not a time priority. Or, you know what? Yeah, let's do that. Baby, go pick out the paint color. Now he gets to give his wife a gift, which as a provider, he loves to do. He wants to do. Don't rob him of opportunities to give to you. But what if he doesn't? Welcome to submission. Welcome to the point again of he might not. You don't get to control. This isn't a clever trick to extract everything you want out of him. It's actual submission, not just, not just uh, putting on a facade. We're good. So this is not a way to manipulate your husband. It's actual humility. So if that is your reaction, but what if he won't do it? Then you need to recognize that that is a lack of submission. And your goal should be to crown your husband, not to handcuff him to the will of his helper. I thought I was going to get an amen there. And when, I wrote, when I wrote that in the notes, I thought the ladies were like, ooh, that, that helps, but it also hurts a little bit. It feels like being crucified on a cross almost. So what else does that look like? When wanting to make a purchase instead of overspending and hoping he won't notice, you just ask his permission. What if he won't let me? <laughs> See where we're going there? Yeah, that's the thing you were trying to avoid, but that's the very thing that was needed. One approach is respectful and considerate. The other is dismissive. Oh, he won't care. Well, maybe that's true, but you're looking to honor his leadership now and not sidestep it. What else can I do to honor my husband? Be respectful. Again, ask him. It would be a good thing for a husband to ask his wife, how can I love you better? That's a good question to ask your wife. It's a good question for a wife to ask her husband, how can I respect you more? How can I respect my husband more? Another thing you can do, don't make accusations, judgments, or demands. 
Instead, share your emotions respectfully and share them vulnerably. So I'm sick of your tools lying around. You're worse than a child. All the husband's blood pressure just went up. I'm sick of your tools lying around. You're worse than a child. Clean this up. Well, that's horrible nagging and disrespect. What's well, a little bit better? Could you please pick your tools up? That's better, but it's still creating the outcome that you're wanting to happen. What would be even better? I feel stressed by all the tools lying around. I'm concerned the kids are going to get hurt, and this room just doesn't look pretty anymore. I'm surrendered it. What if he doesn't? He's not your baby. You, you're not his mom. He might not. I don't like that. I know. But, but that's what it looks like. One of, the, one of these statements is more submitted than the other versus, could you please do this? And he's like, well, I could, but I'm not. And now I'm frustrated with him. But, hey, here's what I'm feeling as a wife. And now your loving husband and going, now I get to solve that. I love when Natalie shares with me her feelings, her actual emotions. Not, I feel like you're a jerk. That's not a feeling. That's a judgment that's hidden. She used the word I feel, but it's not a feeling. I want her actual emotions. I'm overwhelmed. I'm worried about this thing. I'm like, dun dun dun. Tell me, what's bothering you? And now I get to be the hero that I really want to be for my wife. I get to come through with the outcomes and with the solutions versus if she's like dictating to me, I'm going, ugh, this feels miserable. I don't like this. That's the fragile male ego, spoken like a woman rather than a man who is built to lead and love well. That's what I want to do. That's what your husband wants to do. So be respectful. Could you please put your socks in the hamper? It's not a terrible question. But you could say, well, I asked him nicely, but did you really submit? Well, I want to make sure it gets done, but you don't have authority to see if it gets done. So instead, you could say, these socks in the floor are really gross to me. He's going to do with it what he's going to do with it. And a loving husband is going to care about those things, but he doesn't want to be mothered. Well, I wish it wasn't that way. I'm not telling you about how, it, how you wish it was. I'm telling you about how it actually is and how it's going to register in your marriage. Well, this to me, it just feels so submitted, right? Submitted is the word you're looking for. And it's very precious in the sight of God because these are examples of actual true surrender in a situation and not you accomplishing an outcome through this guy that you married. Just like the son who prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done. This is beautiful and precious in the sight of God. I'm closing now. Submission is not about the perfect words. So if you got hung up on any of the examples, get unhung by them and throw them away. Okay? You're free of any precise example. You're like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Stick with the word of God. There's plenty there. But the question still remains, what would an embodied submission really look like? What does a heartfelt surrender really feel like? When you're, when you're communicating with your husband. Submission is not about the perfect words, but about a gentle and quiet spirit. Yes, the overflow of the heart causes the mouth to speak. So you'll know you're submitted when you actually feel vulnerable and surrendered when you're speaking to your husband. Your language might pass the sniff test, but if you don't actually feel that you're not in control of the outcome, then you know that you're not submitted. Philippians 2, verses 4 through 7. Why do I have to be submitted? Because you get to be like Christ. This is a good thing. Husbands get to be like Christ in that they lay down their lives. Wives get to be like Christ in that they submit like Christ did to the Father. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Wives, what if your husband submitted to Jesus the same way that you submit to your husband? Would that be good? Would that, would that be awesome for you? You got yes. Then praise God, sister. Keep it up. That's beautiful. What if, what if your husband is already submitting to Jesus in the way that you're submitting to your husband? What if your children submitted to you in the same way that you submit to your husband? Maybe they are. Well, the kids, I wish. Oh, where'd they learn it? Where'd they learn that trick? Where'd they learn that tactic? Well, they say the right things, but their attitude, yeah. Maybe they learned that somewhere. Submission is not a final destination that you're going to arrive at. It is a journey that you're on, and you will continue to get better as you practice it more and more to look more and more like Jesus. And of course, like I said at the beginning, although 
in context, we were doing a series on marriage. So this was a sermon for wives. Submission applies to every single person. Everybody is under authority. Every man, every woman, every child is under authority. And again, that's good news because we have a good God. So as we have our good God that we can submit to, we can defer to, we can trust. Ladies, you, can, you don't have to fear anything that's frightening. You can still entrust yourself into a good God. Yes. And for, for the exceptions of abuse and wickedness and neglect, what do you have, ladies? Well, you have a church for that. Mm-hmm. There is church discipline that exists for this very purpose. There's a pastor who will involve himself in scenarios to bless and see to it that the will of God is fulfilled. So you're not alone, and we're not excusing nonsense. I'm putting this out here for y'all. I know y'all know this, and you've heard me say similar things, but we're also online on the podcast. So I don't know how many people are listening to this. So I've got to add this disclaimer here at the end. But there is a path forward. Everyone is under authority. If you call me your pastor, then I'm going to be your pastor, not just your preacher man who gives you sermons. And that will involve those kinds of scenarios. But ultimately, we are trusting the Lord. We're moving forward in His grace. And we recognize this is going to be a blessing to our lives. You've got nothing but good news today, men, women, and children, in, in that we get to love and obey Jesus by acting just like Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your perfect word and your perfect will. God, we ask that you would bring your clarity, your direction, and your revelation to our actions. I pray for the wives of Salt Church that you would show them exactly what it looks like according to your word and your will, that, that they would live a humble life, that they would live quiet and peaceful lives, that they would be submitted to their husbands and respectful to their husbands so that the word of God would not be reviled, but that husbands would thrive, that wives would thrive, that that children would thrive, and that households would be blessed, that marriages would be ecstatic, that your church would be strong. God, make this a church of strong marriages. We don't want the status quo We don't want average. We don't want normal. We reject the things that we've learned in the past, and we fully adopt and submit to your word. Show us what it looks like to live it out, to obey it, and to apply it. We love you. We thank you for your teaching and for your instruction and for your help. We can't do anything apart from you. So we trust you for the power to walk it out in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.